All right, here we go. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Appreciate you checking us out, as always. And on this week's episode, we'll talk to Walkersville field hockey coach uh, Kelly Dittrich. Um, Lions having a great season, uh, which included a uh, sort of banner win for them over Liberty, uh, two to one, uh, back in late September. Uh, Liberty uh, is a perennial uh, power in field hockey, and uh, Walkersville doesn't have a long history of, of, of beating uh, their fellow Lion uh, counterparts. So we'll talk to. Uh, Coach Dittrich about that and just about her team and just her expectations. Uh, can this Walkersville team uh, make a deep run and potentially challenge for a state championship uh, in field hockey, which, which we don't often get uh, here in Frederick County. Uh, but first for our opening segment, as always, I'm joined by Sirs Dacey and uh, Cannon. And uh, John, you, you saw that uh, Walkersville uh, field hockey team. What were your impressions? Uh, I saw them beat Oakdale, who uh, is our, you know, one of our other top teams. Uh, you got to remember, and, and I did not see Walkersville last year. I know Alexander did, but they're, they're two best players last year with the Miller twins, uh, Olivia and, uh, and Hannah. And uh, yeah, they were like our offense and defensive player of the year. They lost those two. And uh, so there were a lot of questions about how they were going to be. But uh, they did return out Leah Winterl, who uh, she isn't the best goalie in Frederick County. She's one of the best. So they had that going for them. And then they had some other younger players like Mia Og, who contributed last year. And uh, she's young, but she's also very tall and fast. Uh, so they've got some players. And right now, I mean, they're, they're having a very fine season. Um, and so they, they, they have not played Urbana yet. So uh, And uh, next week, uh, on the 18th, they play Urbana. Urbana is going to be a handful for anybody, anybody in the county and a lot of teams out of the county, too. But, um, but I think they've exceeded expectations based on what they lost after last year. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't talk a lot of – uh, field hockey uh, on the podcast here uh, about Urbana. Uh, do they do they have a chance to make a run for, for a state title? Uh, I just saw them last night, um, and they really handled Oakdale, and that's saying something. Uh, they're really, really good. They have a lot of good players. They work well together. Um, they've made some deep runs in the past. Um, the last time they did so, they had, like, one really a star player, and they had others around her. This this team they just have a bunch of uh, really good players and I'm thinking they have a have a shot at going pretty far this year I would I would say I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, our last field hockey champ man can you remember that? <laughs> 1993, um, Langenor, uh was a co-champ. That's back before they uh, broke ties in okay. uh, championship games and. Huh. Uh, so that was what thirty years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, very good because I was putting you on the spot there because because I, I did not know the answer and we we might have been just going. Uh, I remember uh, stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember stuff more clearly from my twenties than I do from twenty days ago. It, it, it's fun. It's funny how that works. Uh, how how the mind sort of clutters uh, in 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 the, in the present. Uh, but what we had, Ligonor um, had a close call uh, a number of years back, and, and Urbana's been knocking on the door in recent years. They're always in a tough. Re- it seems with Urbana, they're always in that like Westminster region, and Westminster is a perennial power. Like Carroll, all the Carroll County schools are usually pretty strong in field hockey, and and this year they're not. And plus, now keep in mind, Urbana opened their season by beating BCC, which is a perennial power that they'd never beaten before. So that was kind of like uh, an eyebrow raiser. Like, hmm, you know, these guys are worth looking at. Yeah, and uh, Walkersville opened their season with a loss. Uh, I believe they're eight and one right now, and, and they started with a loss, three uh, nothing to Francis Scott Key. So, so they really bounced back uh, really well, and 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 yeah, Urbana will be a, a, a huge test for them, and, and I'm sure a, a measuring stick game and all that, and I'm sure if they just play well and uh, compete and stuff, they'll, they'll 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 be pretty happy with that. It'll be good for them going into the playoffs. I mean, honestly, facing yeah. a team like that, cause right? That's, that's ideal preparation. Yeah, so in a couple minutes, we'll talk to Coach Dittrich about all of that and just why her team has been uh, so successful this year. Uh, week seven of the high school uh, football season is upon us. A quick review of uh, week six. Uh, Walkersville uh, blows out Brunswick in, in a game that we've all touted as the measuring stick game for Brunswick. Uh, didn't have their coach, uh, Jerry Smith, but 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 still uh, – uh, they had they had pretty much everyone else uh, ready to go for the game, and and they just couldn't uh, hang with Walkersville. Uh, Ligonor beats Frederick Alexander in a high scoring game that you saw. Uh, Frederick, uh, they they hung in there. Yeah, and they they this is probably the best their offense has looked all season. And uh, Pat Cadden, uh, their uh, coach, told me after the game that he think he thinks it's because it was the best their offensive line played all season. I mean, Grayson Roman definitely had t- more time and. I don't even know if he got say he may have gotten sacked like once or something, but 
he he had way more time to operate. They had way more time to do things. And there was a point where it basically just turned into you kind of knew what was going to happen. Where I know we we said basically last week it was going to be you know the the interior strength of um, uh, of Lingenor versus the sort of exterior skill position strength of of Frederick. And I mean Lingenor just sort of ran, ran, ran and scored a touchdown. But then Frederick would counter. They'd pass, pass, pass. They'd some sometimes break out a run, but. You, you know, it, it pretty much turned into that, and then it was just like, okay, who's going to – like, Linganor basically it was always like a step ahead, but it was like, will will Frederick break them slash will Frederick not be able to keep scoring? And Frederick kept scoring, but Frederick also couldn't break them. And and finally, Linganor, Linganor with like about two minutes left, they got a fourth down stand and then around midfield, and that was that was that. I will say we sort of had that game pegged on the podcast last week because we said it was going to come down to Frederick's ability to stop uh, Ethan Arneson in the Ligonor running game. They, they did it, and that was, that was the difference in the game. Right, and and I mean they ran. I think it, I think I calculated eighty nine percent of their plays. Yeah, uh, last week were were run plays, and I mean Ethan Ethan went over. You know, Ethan I think had forty carries. He was like 200, 240, something around two hundred forty two hundred fifty yards. Um, four touchdowns. Christian Petrozell at over 100 yards rushing. Um, so really, just those two sort of carrying that running game. But yeah, it was like every every time it's 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 a it's a very like simple running game, but they're just so good at it. And it's like I guess the thing that it almost hides is that they have a Division One bound quarterback in Petrozello who's got a pretty lively arm, but. They just don't need it, right? Because they're so good at the one thing that they do. And I know uh, you wrote. I know Arneson's, uh has a whole bunch of school rushing records. He's closing in on like the county, some a bunch of the county career rushing records, and moving you know, shooting way up in the state rankings. So it does help to have a you know have a back like that. But yeah, it's like they're just so good at what they do that it almost doesn't matter if they're you know only running the ball. I mean, because they showed against Frederick again, they just they just couldn't stop it. Ar- Arneson, uh, they play Middletown this week, and Arneson, is cl- he needs, I think, 58, roughly 60 yards uh, to cross 5,000 for his career. And he's only played two and a half seasons, uh, is, is the primary starter for Ligonor. So so you think of a 5,000-yard high school back, you think, oh, four-year starter and all that. Uh, he, he, really, he really hasn't been. Uh, he's averaging two hundred something yards a game. So, what what were your impressions of him? And just, I mean, you, you you touched on how good the running game is, but you could you could plug in another back in the same system and might not get the same results. Right. I mean, it, there's the the things that just most impressed me, aside from the fact that he just he's just, I mean, he he's not very you know not very tall, right? But he's so stout that he just sort of keeps going. But right. it's it it was it was those moments where. It looked like he was gonna sort of get lost in the the pile or lost in the line, and then all of a sudden he just sort of like darts out the other side and is, and is taken off for like a 20, 30 yard gain, and it makes you go, "How in the world does he slip out of that?" You know, and he had he had a few of those against Frederick, and I, and again I've seen him run before, so it's not like it's my first time seeing it, but it's just one of those things that you're just like, "This is just so impressive." the way he's able to just sort of keep the motor going the whole time. And again, I mean, he carried the ball 40 times and, and he was definitely tired, you know, definitely tired afterwards when I was talking to him, but he wasn't, didn't, you know, it didn't look like he ran it 40 times, you know, and was sort of getting, you know, beat up, beat up at all. Yeah. I mean, he attributes his football success to his wrestling background when it comes to balance, when it comes to toughness, uh, when, when it comes to conditioning, uh, strength, all, all that stuff, he attributes to his wrestling career. And he's, he's, he's an awesome wrestler, too. He was, he was in the state final at 170 pounds in the big school division last year, too. So, uh, so Ligonor, Middle, uh, Middle, Middletown traditionally has a tough run defense, so it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a test for them this week. So, so we'll see if Ethan can keep up his blistering pace uh, this week. Uh, but speaking of Middletown, they beat Catoctin 37-0 last week. Oakdale... Uh, our lone unbeaten team beats TJ 48-7. to uh, Urbana bounces back from a tough loss uh, the week before. They beat Tuscora 50-6. to MSD's on a roll. They're, they've won four in a row. They beat Randolph-Macon 58 to nothing, And a nice win for St. John's Catholic Prep. I know, I know they've been having a tough season so far. They go to Fairmont Heights and win 28-25. So uh, interesting week six, guys, before we look at week seven a little more closely. And we've talked about... Uh, Ligonor, uh, any other takeaways or impressions from week six? I saw Middletown, and uh, they finally got back in the win column. 
Um, and it, it, kind of interesting because they have the sophomore quarterback, Britton Poffenbarger, and uh, he got his, his first three touchdown passes in that game. Um, they had him doing a lot of short passes. I think they're still trying to work him in and uh, trying to get a little confidence for him, which, which they uh, missing accomplished there. And then Griffin Sheridan's kind of like their Swiss Army knife. So they had some – he's done some running this year, and they had some other people nicked up in their backfield. So he was basically their tailback in that game. And he, he also had an interception, and he, can, he called a few passes. So he's like one of those – any sport, if you have one of those guys that could do many things well, uh, you know, that's a valuable thing to have, and he's one of those. So. Uh- yeah, and Middletown's record—they're not—it's it's not great at uh, what two and four, but but I mean they played a pretty tough schedule. They played, uh, they played Frederick, they played Oakdale, they played um, uh, Urbana uh, and Mervo. Uh, right, exactly. Thomas so said he thought they had one of the toughest early season schedules in the state. Right. They're probably better than their their record uh, indicates, and and they have another tough game against Ligonor uh, uh, this week. So. Um, week seven, Oakdale at Walkersville. Uh, Walkersville, uh, they were uh, breathing a pretty big sigh of relief after they beat Brunswick last week because they had lost uh, three games in a row. They face, as a two-way school like Middletown, they've, they've faced and played a very tough schedule as well. Uh, uh, and Oakdale will look to keep things rolling um, on the road at Walkersville this week. Middletown, Ligonor, we've touched on. Frederick Urbana, this is a game we've been wanting to see in recent seasons. It's, it's happening this week as, as Urbana comes back on Frederick's schedule. Uh, that, that, that should be an interesting test. Frederick, we, we, we said they would probably hit some big plays against Ligonor, and they did. Uh, can they keep going and hit enough of them against Urbana? Uh, Tuscarora TJ uh, doesn't look like much on paper, but it's, it's, it's going to be a win for, uh, for one of those teams. Uh, Brunswick looking to back, bounce back against North Hagerstown. Uh, Catoctin is at Smithsburg, and Catoctin usually uh, beats a lot of their fellow uh, Washington County schools, or, or uh, not fellow Washington County schools, but they often uh, beat Washington County schools of similar uh, uh, makeup. Uh, MSD looks to keep things rolling against Model out of D.C. St. John's has a conference game in the MIAAC against Annapolis Christian, and that is week seven. A- any uh, things striking you guys there? Yeah, uh, something I, I, I should mention, Evan Austin, our reigning offensive player of the year, didn't play last week, right? Right. Again, so, again, so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back this week. And um, you know, I, I assume that he was just kind of nicked up. Maybe they wanted to rest him for a week. But um, Yeah, against the TJ team, they probably were going to ha- be able to handle. So, Against Walkersville, they'll probably need him. Uh, although uh, Alex Rodriguez, their, their backup, played really well, and, and, and he's very highly thought of and, and, and spoken of too. So if the ankle's bothering Austin, uh, maybe 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 they hit him another week. Good, good, good point there, John. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, on the flag football front, Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had a mini upset this week with uh, uh, Middletown over Ligonor. Yeah, and, and that sort of, I guess, settles the – not settles, but I guess it sort of sets up the the question of, you know, who was going to be the number two to challenge Urbana because Urbana Urbana now is our lone undefeated. They're six and zero, and they've basically just blown out everybody that they've played. Um, Again, with with that with the head start they've had, they've mm-hmm. been doing this for years. It's kind of what it's playing out sort of as we figured, right? But the the it's like who who is the sort of main competition? Because Urbana actually op- op- Urbana opened the season with Middletown and they 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 handled them pretty thoroughly. I think it was a twenty to nothing, and they had they had like two early touchdowns and 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 they just sort of you know they just sort of uh, took off right from the get go. Um, but Middle Middletown's come back and they 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 just keep winning. And winning and winning and finding ways to win. And Linganore was undefeated coming into tonight. Um, they've been in, they've been interesting because some of their wins they've just totally like demolished their competition. Um, and then some of the other wins have been really 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 tight. And and so they, they they've kind of they've kind of run the gamut. Even though they were undefeated, they've kind of run the gamut of like looking kind of eh to looking really really strong. Um, and and tonight against Middletown, they they were this game. This game was at Middletown. Um, Middletown's defense just totally blanketed them in the second half, and they had they had four they had four drives in the second half. Their last three ended in ended in interceptions, and one of the one of those set up the game winning score, and then the other just sort of iced the game in the you know in the last minute or, or with with less than a minute to go. So it was very much a. Middletown defense takes over and sort of vaults them into 
I guess now de facto number two because those teams are both five and one, but obviously Middletown would hold the hold the tiebreaker there. And um, well, they're they're technically not mathematically in the playoffs yet because uh, both Frederick and TJ are four and two. Um, it would it would be very surprising, and there were a lot would have to go very 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 wrong for them to not make the playoffs. Um, so it, it seems like the way it's going to probably full, you know, shake out is Urbana one, Middletown two now, Lingenor three. So they'll probably meet again in the, the, the semifinal, the county semifinals. Uh, and then probably between Frederick and TJ for the last spot, and they play the final week of the season. So I got a question for you. Yeah. I've not seen uh, Urbana, mm-hmm. but um, Paige White, I covered her in basketball yeah. and lacrosse, and I noticed you don't see this in regular football and in, in touch mm-hmm. fo- or regular football. But I mean, she's a, she's in our amongst our rushing leaders, passing leaders, and receiving leaders. I was, I, I haven't seen her play. That's kind of interesting. So uh, what they what they do is they have uh, um, I mean, so she's she's their main quarterback, right? So so that's where you get the the the, the passing and the rushing. Receiving wise, they um, they have a sophomore uh, sophomore, I believe, uh, Audrey Newton, who's basically sort of the heir apparent to her. And, and because so many of their games have been lopsided, they've just been getting her a lot of reps. And so when that happens, they'll they'll sort of mix out some of, I guess, their more regular receivers. And then I know uh, – I think I saw Paige get a um, – uh, in one of their games I saw against – it was like, it was the Middletown game. It was towards the end. She was getting a couple – lining up a couple touches wide. So, um, so she is among the leaders in all three. Now, again, you could say maybe some of the receiving stuff is just like, you know, end of game – like you know, you know, sort of lopsided end of game stat padding, but yeah, no, she isn't. I mean, she's just generally a very good all around athlete. So not to take away at all, yeah, but uh, we were remarking that a lot of these flag games have been pretty low scoring. Uh, any theories as to why that might be? I, I think the main theory is that you know, aside like the well, I, I will also I guess start by saying the ones that have been more higher scoring is more lopsided are the ones where the teams are like there's just a sort of vast difference in sort of talent and skill and quality of play. So those are like the ones where you're getting the scores like, you know, 30 like we had 39 nothing tonight. You had a 50 to John, you had a 50 to 12 at the beginning of the year. I so, mean, that that's the anomaly. Yeah, so so it's it's like those where where it's it's so lopsided definitely it's because they're just sort of, they're just sort of right, running up the score, but the, the low-scoring ones, I think, is because when you're getting some of these teams, like, for instance, tonight, uh, Middletown and Lingenor, that are more evenly matched, they're sort of, they're sort of you know, having longer drives, right? Because the, the defenses are better, so they're, they're, they're stopping more, more of the offensive attacks, and, but the offenses are good enough where they can sort of make plays, keep drives going, et cetera, et cetera. And with the running clock. And with the running clock, right. You know, I mean, Lingenor's one scoring drive they had today, I think, I think it was like 13, 14 plays, ate up almost like seven or eight minutes, right? So it was one where, again, they were gotten a lot of third and fourth downs, but they were just sort of grinding it out, grinding it out, and and it eventually, you know, and eventually they scored. So when you're, when you're getting, you know, drives like that, again, you know, with, with teams with good, with better defenses and better offenses and just better players, that's, I think, sort of where the low scoring comes in because you're not it's not it's not as wide it's not as wide open because you, the one team is just so much worse than the other team right so i think that's where that's where you know and again i don't know if under this running clock format you will see a a game where the the score is like you know you know like 35 35 28 or something like that right like you're not going to see a real barn burner high scoring unless every single play is just like a, like a 60 some odd yard like bomb and the defenses have just like given up <laughs> which I, which I don't think would happen but I see many uh, the one game I saw hmm. was Frederick Middletown and one thing I noticed is like you know when you get down close like that you almost have to pass it in and if you can't because you're not gonna be able to run it in like in regular football you could try hmm. to pound it in but it's very tough when in that compressed field to try to run because they're just gonna be grabbing flags and you're not gonna get in the end right and even if you sort of I guess line up your your blockers in such a way I mean I've, I've seen teams try to do that but it's Again, because because there's no um, there's no like like rush count, right? You can just rush the second the ball is snapped. Like a lot of times, that again, that's where the teams will put their best athletes because they can just get in there so fast. Um, and I and I think that's sort of again, like you said, where you 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 maybe don't have as much running, or you kind of have to get a little more creative, right? So um, I'm not I will say I've not seen a ton of drive stall out near the near like the goal line, like typically when they get that close, they will score, Um, you know, even if it doesn't happen right away. 
Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely a good sort of, I guess, a good observation. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen all. I've yeah. only seen a couple games. So mm. just, just, just a different form of football. All right, we're well, nearing the end of the regular season here. Uh, next weekend, uh, uh, we'll be talking about, I guess, or heading into uh, CMC championship game. So, uh, end of the regular season uh, is upon us. Uh, girls soccer, Oakdale, Tuscarora, Walkersville seem to be the teams to beat. Uh, boys, Urbana, Tuscarora, uh, Brunswick's uh, uh, put together quietly a, a pretty nice season after having, a, I guess, a slow start by mm-hmm. their standards. Um, volleyball, uh, Urbana dropped, uh, dropped the big match, uh, to North Hagerstown, but, um, are right. Uh, we talked about field hockey, uh, uh, cross country, uh, championships are coming up and also a uh, golf, uh, uh, I, I guess we've been through, uh, counties and CMCs. Have we played districts. Yeah. Di- districts were, were, um, last Monday, the second, uh, and we had a, um, Urbana, I think team wise, we had Urbana. Urbana, Oakdale, uh, I think Brunswick, and Middletown, I think, qualified it there. So And so the way it's split, it's split up the 1A and 2A schools are lumped together, and then the 3A and the 4A. So those are obviously, in, you know, in their respective sub-regions, like sub subcategories. But I believe those were the four-team qualifiers, plus we had a whole bunch of other individuals Um uh, qualify so those champion those uh championships will be um St- states is when state cha- uh, state championships will be uh in in two weeks so it's the at maryland a- right? at umd so the the 23rd so it, it's it's a 30 it's like a 36 hole states thing basically so um the the, the first day first two days are uh, th- uh the the 4a and 3a's go on monday the one A's and two A's go on Tuesday, and it's base. It's it, it it sort of is like it's it's almost like a cut situation, right? Like there's sort of a cut you have to, um, you have to make if you're. I think if you're an individual qualifier, and then I'm not sure what the cut is for teams, but I think there is a cut as well. Um, and then the remaining all play together on Wednesday the 25th. Um, and it's a it's a very long day at UMD, but yeah. All but right. Yeah, that's where they'll be. All right, and weeks. then of course the field, uh, the flag football girls flag uh, championships at the Ravens facility um, at, at the at the end of the month too. So, uh, quickly approaching a playoff time here for fall sports twenty twenty three. Guys, thank you for uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, your uh, insights as always. And when we come back here on the final score, we will talk to Walkersville uh, field hockey coach Kelly Dittrich. Uh, so stay with us. On September 22nd, the Walkersville field hockey team beat Liberty 2-1. It was a signature victory for the Lions over a perennial power that plays in field hockey-rich Carroll County and has won three state titles in the last seven years, and it was also part of the great season that Walkersville is having so far. Uh, the coach of the Lions is uh, Kelly Dittrich, and uh, she joins us now. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for being here. Tell us what that win and that moment was like for you and your players. Thank you for having me. And that win was amazing. Um, It's the first time I've been coaching Walkersville field hockey for four seasons now. Um, And that's the first time since I've been coaching that we have beaten Liberty. Um, So it was a really, really exciting time. Um, The first season that I got to play them, they beat us, I think six, nothing. Um, And it was quite a game and it was very memorable for um, my team. So to go back there to their home field, uh, three years later, I guess that was, because we didn't play them the COVID season. Um, and then the, that same group of girls who has been with me, we had the opportunity to beat them two to one on their turf, um, well, their grass field, uh, was just an amazing feeling. Uh, the girls were so excited after that game, jumping up and down, um, and we were just hustling and had a ton of intensity. What were you thinking when the final score sounded in that game? Uh, it was it was very nerve-wracking because right there was about maybe 30 seconds left in the game um, and they had the ball in their attacking end and their coach called a timeout. Um, so, you know, you're bringing your girls in, there's 30 seconds left and they are coming up with something to come at you super hard in those last 30 seconds. We were assuming they were going to try to get it into the circle and try to get a foot, get a corner um, to get a special play called. Um, so we were just telling the girls to 
play smart hockey for 30 seconds. Don't do anything. Easier said um, than done, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. Exactly. You're like, draw out the clock. If the ball, if you get the ball, push it out of bounds as far as you possibly can. So it draws out that clock. Um, so it was super intense right up until the last second of that game. Um, and it was just, it was amazing. You didn't get to do it in front of the home fans, but it, uh, you, you did have a probably a pretty memorable bus ride home from that game. What, what was that like? Yes. Yeah. The bus ride was awesome. The girls were pumped and excited and we played them on a Friday night. So of course it's football Friday. Um, so they were excited to be able to come away with that win, um, get on the bus, happy and excited to head off to the football game and enjoy the rest of their weekend um, with a smile on their face. Yeah, I, I bet. It seems to me it shows how far your program has come in, in your four years on the job. Yes. Um, yeah. When I first came in, um, I joined Walkersville. Um, I was hired literally like two weeks before the shutdowns happened for COVID. Um, so I was expecting we were going to have, you know, that fall of 2020, I guess it was 2020, um, that we were going to have that fall season. Um, and it was, you know, in the air, we didn't know. Um, and then we ended up having that spring season. So that first spring season, you know, I think we went four and five. We just played county teams. We had four wins, five losses. And a lot of our losses were uh, by big goal differentials, um, you know, seven, nothing, eight, nothing. Um, you know, we made the decision right then and there that we were rebuilding this program together um, and that we were all getting on the same boat and kind of sailing in that same direction and creating our new traditions and our new culture that we wanted um, as a team going forward. Um, and the girls were, they, they loved it. They jumped right on board. Um, they were really excited about, you know, just the, you know, new things happening um, and to be a part of the program. And, you know, I give it to the credit of that first group of, um, you know, girls who were juniors that first spring season. And then it was their senior season that next fall. Um, they really set the tone for what our program was going to be in the future. Yeah, I, w I want to ask you in a minute about how you sort of came into this job during a crazy time for the entire world. But um, <laughs> you, you referenced the traditions and culture uh, you were trying to establish. What was that? Uh, describe that. Uh, you know, so... I'm a hockey head. I grew up playing hockey. Um, and the, you know, the previous coach, uh, you know, they just did things with them during the season. So we started trying to implement doing things year round, um, having a year round program, um, getting sticks in girls' hands more frequently, um, being dedicated and disciplined. They loved actually having summer conditioning. You know, that seems like something way out there that nobody's going to love showing up and having a coach make them run for an hour straight during the summer to get ready but they never had that before. So creating that and every single girl showed up. So it kind of set that tone of like, this is what's expected. If you want to be a part of this team, you're going to show up, you're going to work hard. Um, and I always say, tell them field hockey is a game of mistakes. Like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to look silly. Always get out there, try something new. Um, and just creating that culture. And, um, and we, Tell the girls too. Um, we talked about it at the start of this season when we lost our first game to FSK three nothing. That, that you know tradition never graduates. So when I was in college, that was a big thing that we would say. And you know players come into the program for four years, and you have four years to leave your mark on the program and to help create the environment and the culture for all of the players behind you. Um, and just because last year we had this amazing season didn't mean we couldn't do it again. The foundation was already built, um, and it was up to this year's group to build their traditions and their culture. Yeah, and, and here you are at eight and one overall with that terrific win over Liberty and, and, and some other ones as well. I know next week you guys have a big measuring stick game against uh, Urbana uh, on your yes. schedule. Um, what, what sort of potential did you think this group had this season? Yeah, so it was, it was hard going into this season because you didn't know. Um, last year we had um, Hannah and Olivia Miller who were the offensive and defensive players of the year. Um, and we relied heavily on them, um, but we had a really good team. We had good supporting cast around them, which allowed them to be such great players. So I think, you know, it was up in the air for everybody this season, not just Walkersville, but I think all the other teams were also thinking, will Walkersville be strong again without Hannah and Olivia Miller? Um, and I think, you know, during preseason and stuff, our girls were thinking the same thing. Can we do this without them? Um, and I think, you know, we were able to turn it around after that first game. The girls came ready. Um, and it's been a really exciting season. Um, I had 
I knew that they had the potential to do it, but whether we would be able to piece it all together um, and work as a team as great as we have been, that was kind of the wild card. And, you know, I think once we started winning, that became contagious and it built our confidence. Um, and they started really believing, not just hearing it from the coaches that we can do this, but they started believing and seeing it and hearing it from their parents, like, wow, we are a great team. Um, and, you know, we can do whatever is put in front of us, one game at a time. Yeah, your season started with, like, what, a 3 nothing loss to FSK, Francis Scott Key, right? Yes, yeah, we lost 3 nothing to FSK. Um, and it was a very humbling game. We came out, you know, I don't think we were quite ready. We came out kind of on our heels, and they came out fast, and they scored three goals really fast. Um, and got, we got ourselves into a hole. Um, and, you know, this year we only have a varsity program. Uh, in years past, uh, this is the first season that I've coached us, Coach Walkersville, that we have not had a JV team. So we have a very young team. Um, we have freshmen starting. I think that first game, everybody's nerves were really, you know, high. Um, and we just didn't come out in that first half ready to go. But in the second half, we played much better and the score was zero to zero in the second half. Um, so we kind of used that momentum. We changed some things around, um, seeing where, you know, <laughs> We, where some of our weaknesses were, so where our strengths were, and we moved around our lineup, um, and we, I think we came up with a really good lineup. It, it could have been a real oh-no moment for the team because uh, it's, it's a tough loss. You're starting your season. You don't know what you're going to be, like you said, uh, w without the Millers. But why wasn't that a oh-no moment for your girls, and why, and why were they able to bounce back so well? Yeah, so I think – so right after that game, um, we sat there on the field um, and we had a heart to heart of where do we see the season going? Um, and that's when I kind of talked to them about the tradition never graduates quote um, and where they, this group of seniors, where they want to go with field hockey and with, um, you know, this group of players. Uh, this group of seniors is the first group that has been with me from freshman year through their senior year. So they're the first group that's been with me for four years. So they've been able to see the program grow over those four years from getting our butts kicked in that first year to doing much better the second year. And then last year having an amazing year. Um, each season, we talked about how, you know, my second season here, how we, it was the first time we went to States in 40 years. Um, last year, it was the first time in school history that we've ever beaten Urbana. Um, and so we talked about what do we want our defining moment to be this year? And right now is the moment for them to decide where we wanted to go. Um, and they put their heads down. They decided they wanted to work for it. They put their heads down and they got to work. And we went right back at it the next day at practice. And was that first win? Did that really get things rolling for you guys? Yes. Yep. The first win. The next game we played was Catoctin. Um, we were still figuring out our lineup. So that was kind of the perfect game to kind of ease into that. And we came away with that 2 nothing win. And we you know, some people stepped up and scored some goals who it was their first goals. Um, Chloe Gaines scored, I think, um, one of the goals and Bella Word, who, and neither one of them had scored a goal ever in previous seasons. Um, so I think they started realizing like, wow, we can do this. We can step up and we can um, we can do this. To hold a team like Liberty to one goal, to have six shutouts in, uh, what, nine games now, uh, you, you need a pretty good goalie, and, and you have one in uh, Aaliyah Winterly. Uh, tell us about her. Oh, yeah. So, Aaliyah. Um, or Aaliyah, really, excuse me. Well, that's okay. And she goes by Ollie, so it's easier to remember to say. Um, so, Ollie is amazing. Uh, I keep telling her, I keep asking her if she wants to take – uh, a fifth year COVID high school year so that we can have her again next year. Is that possible? Um, yeah, I don't think so, but I keep, I hold my finger, hope, hope that maybe that's a thing. Uh, but she's already, she's committed to play at Stevenson um, next fall to play in college. Um, you know, she is the backbone of our team. Uh, we rely heavily on her during that Liberty game. She had 17 saves um, and that was on a grass field, you know, and so that's much different than playing on turf. So she feeds and fuels our team by the saves that she makes, um, keeping us in games. And then our defense and our players feed off of that. Um, so she is definitely the quarterback of our team. Um, and she definitely, the past couple of years, has kept us in a lot of games. Because I tell her before every game, she's the best goalie in the county. <laughs> Maybe uh, in the state. <laughs> before I ask you about some of your other players, you mentioned the turf. And you, Walkersville High School, for the first time this season, has a turf field. How has that changed life for your team? 
Oh, it's amazing. Um, you know, I think we had the worst grass field in the county um, last year, um, but we made it our home last year. And we had, I think, six or seven home games last year. Um, and, you know, we were like, this is what they gave us and we're going to rock it on this field. And we did. Um, but now that we have a turf, um, I have definitely become a turf snob. Um, I do not like to play grass games anymore. Field hockey is very different um, played on grass and soccer. Skills are done differently. Um, it's just very different game. So right from the start of the year, um, we rented the Utica turf. Um, and we've had every single practice on turf, except for the one right before Liberty, where we went back to our roots on our little grass field um, and got our girls uh, ready and used to the grass again. Um, but we've put a lot of time and effort into making sure we have turf practices so that we can learn the skills and learn field hockey properly. When you have a game on a grass field like you did at Liberty, are you like, oh, no, or do you really have to change the way you play? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's You, you do think, oh, no, like, how is this going to go? Because it's just how is the ball going to bounce today? You know, you could be set up, ready to receive the ball, and it's coming to you flat, and all of a sudden it hits a little tuft of grass or something in the field, and it just bounces over your stick. Um, the game is a little slower on um, grass. So like Liberty is used to playing on grass. So they're used to cutting to the ball. Um, and last year we were used to playing on the grass. So we were used to moving to the ball quickly where on turf, you can kind of wait for the ball to come to you. So it is very nerve wracking when you know you have a game on turf and you're wondering, are the girls going to step up and are they going to cut to the ball and beat the other team to the ball today? Or are we going to stand back and watch? And then all of a sudden the other team's going to fly in front of us and get the ball. Um, so I think hyping that up a lot during the practice the previous day um, helped create that um, the mentality for them going into that game that we need to work a lot harder um, than what we do on turf. Uh, your leading scorer is a young lady by the name of Mia Og. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, seven goals, five assists uh, so far for you guys. Tell us about Mia. Uh, Mia is the cornerstone of our field, um, of our team. She's our center mid. Um, she's been on varsity since her freshman year. She started at sweeper. And then last year she moved to, we had four mids. So she was one of our center mids. Um, this year, she is the only center mid and she's holding it down in the middle. Um, you know, she's six foot two, she's tall and she is strong. Um, and she just commands and controls the midfield. She has a great vision of the field and she can distribute the ball really well um, to any player on the field. Um, and she uses her size and her strength to her advantage. You know, being so tall, I'm constantly been telling her, like, you got to use your height to your advantage. Make these big pulls, because if you make this big pull, the other defender is never going to be able to reach it. Um, so I think that's finally clicked for her this year. And um, she's really stepped up in, you know, not just being a ball distributor, but also having the ability to take the ball on her own and create a lot of things where, in years past, she's always had Olivia Miller. It was kind of like, get the ball to Olivia and let Olivia work her magic. Mia realizes this year that she needs to create magic of her own. And I definitely think that she's stepped up and been doing that this year. Uh, but she definitely has some uh, other, other players that have jumped into the scoring too. Uh, Isabella Word, uh, 11 points, four goals, three assists. Ellie Boston uh, has nine points, uh, three goals, three assists. Uh, you mentioned Chloe Gaines, six goals, one assist. I mean, those are, are big players for you too. Yes. Yep. All of them are huge players for us. Um, you know, we talked to them at the start of the season. You know, I go back to Olivia Miller last year. She was kind of the go-to this year. It was like, everybody has to step up and everybody has to do their play their role and they have to step up and score. It has to be a team um, approach this year um, versus one person. And I think they've all stepped up doing that. Um, Chloe Gaines, you know, at first, she played in the midfield and she kind of has more of a defensive mindset at first. Um, and I know when I told her I was going to put her at that center forward spot, uh, you know, she was a little nervous about that because she's like, I'm, I, she didn't have like the confidence. She thought I was going to expect her to be Olivia Miller. And I, you know, told her before the Catoctin game, I do not expect you to be Olivia Miller. I expect you to be Chloe Gaines and you're an athlete and you're hungry and you play with a ton of heart. Um, and just go after it and make things happen. And she's feisty. So I think that that really helps. Um, and then Ellie Boston, uh, you know, she's a freshman stepping up onto the team. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to coach her the previous few years. Um, I got her into field hockey. Um, she plays for my club team, Maryland Legacy. 
Um, so she's coming in, even though she's a freshman, she has a lot of experience and she likes to score goals. She has an eye for the goal and she has um, great stick work to complement it. Um, so I think, you know, stepping in as a freshman and stepping into that role of I need to score goals for this team, um, she's done great at that. And Bella, you know, she's she just has so much speed. She's a ton of fun um, to watch play. Um, she's a great little defender and she scores a lot um, off of our corners and stuff. What makes this team so strong? What's the key ingredient? I think the key ingredient this year is teamwork and heart um, and just believing in it. They're fighters. Um, and we just rely on everybody this year instead of a few players. Um, and I think that that has really helped us um, this season is teamwork. And they are just hungry. Every time they step out on the field, they're hungry to win. They're hungry to play hard. How did you become a hockey head, uh, Kelly? <laughs> so I started playing um, in high school uh, or actually middle school. Um, my mom told me in sixth grade that I was going to play field hockey in the fall. And I told her, no, I was not playing a sport that wore a skirt. Um, that was not a sport for me. Um, but she made me do it anyway. And lo and behold, parents are always typically right. Um, and it has become my entire life. Um, I picked up that stick in seventh grade and I haven't looked back. I went off and I played, um, division one field hockey at Kent state university. Um, we were consistently while I was there, we were consistently ranked top 15 in the nation. Um, and that's really shaped my, my life and my experience, everything I had from that. And I just loved my college experience and I wanted to continue giving back. Uh, field hockey, unlike a lot of other sports, once you're kind of done playing in college, there isn't really anywhere to go except coaching. Um, so you continue to love the sport and you, so I jumped into coaching so I could still be a part of it. Um, and I've been coaching ever since um, I got out of college in 2005. Um, I coached out in Ohio for a bunch of years. Then when we moved here, um, I got the job at Walkersville a few years later. Yeah, I mean, beyond the Olympics, there's really not a big uh, opportunity um, beyond, beyond college for these girls. Is there something in the works? Is it, is it, could, could that change one day, do you think? Or is that just always going to be the case, sort of sadly? <laughs> yeah, uh, USA Field Act, you know, they're trying. They're constantly trying to create more adult opportunities. And I definitely think there's more now. Um, than when I was in college, or at least a lot more opportunities too, when you're right out of college to continue playing um, and keep sticks in, um, you know, adults' hands. Um, so they're, they're working on that. But I think, you know, the hard part with field hockey is that in the United States, only females pretty much play field hockey. I mean, there are a handful of guys and we do have a men's national team, but it's not like it is in other countries. It's a, it's where... a male Olympic sport, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's the second most popular sport in the world next to soccer for men and women. Um, so it's huge in other countries. Um, and so because it is played by men and women in other countries, it's so popular. Like soccer here, it's played by men and women. So it's super popular. Um, so field hockey, I think because it is only played by half of the population, you know, they really need to work on getting more men involved in it, I think. And then that would help spread the sport even more. Where did you grow up and where did you, where did you go to high school? Uh, so I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, close to Hershey. Um, so about an hour and a half up the road from here. Um, and I went to Central Dolphin High School. Okay. Um, so, so Central PA. Um, at your first, when your mom said you're playing field hockey, you're like, no, I don't want to. Uh, were you kicking and screaming at your first practice? Did she have to drag you out of the car? Or what was, what was that moment like when uh, you arrived at your first practice? Yeah, so no, um, I'm, I'm always been athletic. Um, you know, I played softball. I played a ton of sports growing up. Um, so, you know, I think when she first told me it, I was like, no, I'm not doing something that you're going to wear a skirt in. But then well, why was um, this, why was the skirt the hang up? I don't know. I just was a tomboy back then. And I was like, no, I am not. I think I viewed a sport that you wore, to, wore a skirt in as a girly, girly sport. Um, you know, and I was like, I am not being a part of a girly girl sport. I, you know, I play softball. I play, you know, all these other things. Um, so that didn't sound appealing to me, but then lo and behold, as soon as I got that skirt on, I actually love it. And I love that that's a part of the uniform. Um, so my whole mindset has completely changed from that first moment mom told me I was going to do this to, to now. I'm, I'm curious if you were determined not to like it right away. If you were determined to prove your mom wrong and you didn't, this wasn't going to work, you weren't going to play it. Right. Yeah, I, I probably was. But then she probably knew that the second I got out there and started running around 
that my competitiveness would kick in and that would overtake it. And I it definitely did. Right, did. Did you like it right away or was it a slow, uh, was it a, did you have to acquire a, a taste for field hockey, so to speak? No, I loved it right away. The second I got out there that first practice, um, I mean, I probably, you know, never wanted to put a stick down and I was all about it. <laughs> okay. And where does your competitiveness come from? Do you have siblings, uh, your, your father, your mother, or, or where, where does that come from? Uh, that's what I would love to know that. Um, because yeah, I have a sister, but she's 12 years, like 11, 12 years older than me. Um, so, you know, we didn't really have that sibling rivalry growing up. Um, and then I was the youngest, um, and I had, you know, my mom and my dad, but neither one of them was like, they're, they're athletic, but not really overly athletic. Um, my father did more like running and swimming, more individual sports. Um, and my mom, you know, she didn't really do any sports. <laughs> so I'm not sure where it came from, but I have a two-year-old daughter right now. And I'm constantly wondering where did it come from? My competitive fire, um, and that ability to just not want to lose and want to, give everything I have when I step foot out on the field. And is that something that my parents somehow instilled in me as grow when I was growing up, or is it an innate thing that you're just kind of born with and it comes out once you're, you know, given the opportunities. Um, so we will see. Well, what have you noticed about your two-year-old so far? Um, she's very talkative. <laughs> so, and I already have a hockey stick for her. You know, she had one right when she was born, the Urbana coach brought, bought her one. Um, and then she has a few other ones laying around the house. So, um, and she knows what it is. And she's like, hockey, hockey stick. Mommy's going to field hockey. I'll be scrolling Instagram and she'll see something and she'll go field hockey, field hockey. And I'm like, oh, I'm so proud. I've never been more proud in my life. So, 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 I'm so just hoping. you have a future player on your hands. It sounds like I'm hoping, um, you know, I mean, if she plays any, I'm just hoping she wants to play some sports. Um, hopefully field hockey, fingers crossed. But, you know, if she wants to pave her own path, I guess that's okay, too. <laughs> is your husband, uh, her father, is uh, is he a big athlete and big into sports, too? Yes. Yep. He grew up playing football. He played baseball in college. Um, so, yeah, he he's also very athletic and very competitive. So we're hoping. <laughs> okay. So like, what are the odds that your daughter is going to escape this? Cause uh, she's not, cause she, she has two super competitive sports oriented parents. So like naturally she has right. to be that way too. Right. Or, or maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe she goes the complete opposite direction. Yeah. I'm hoping that she's around us so much, you know, obviously so much um, that she, you know, just sees us doing, that's what we're going to be introducing her to is all these things. Um, you know, we have a gym in our, we have a big barn garage and we have a gym um, in there. So she's out there every morning with us. And the other day she laid down on the ground and then she stood back up and she said, burpee. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. Like we're all, we're getting somewhere. Has, so, she, has she done a burpee before? No, not before that. She had, I mean, maybe she did, but I didn't realize that that was the first time she laid down and stood up and said it. So a little tear may have gone down my cheek that day. I bet. I'm so excited. I bet. <laughs> So I think just her seeing it and being around it all yeah. the time. I think that, I, yeah. My guess is she's not going to be able to escape it. She's going to get bitten by yeah. the sports bug too. Um, do you hate to lose more than you enjoy winning? Um, I think, I don't know. That's a tough question. I do, I do hate losing. Um, and it just depends the kind of loss, you know, like uh, the other day we had a game and we did not play our greatest. Um, and I told the team afterwards, like, because I don't want them to think I'm a win at no cost type of person or win at all costs type of person. Um, but it's, I'm okay if we lose, but we played really, really hard and we played our best hockey and we were just outplayed that day because the other team was better. But when we beat ourselves, that's where that, that loss would stick with me of, you know, we beat ourselves today because we just didn't step up. Um, so, um, you know, I really do like to, to win and I don't like to lose. Um, I can be a little bit of a sore loser sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I, I think we, I, I think we all can Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, did you want to be a coach or was that sort of just a natural progression with your love of field hockey and just the next sort of opportunity for it? Yeah. So when I was in college, my college coach always told me that I should get into coaching. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. I have so many more things to offer in this world. Uh, you know, at that point in time, I wanted to be in the FBI. I wanted to be a special agent. Um, so right out of college, I, you know, I became a police officer for 10 years. Um, and, you know, I went through the FBI process. Um, 
And then it just didn't end up working out. And so, you know, I was always doing coaching though. Um, and, you know, I think when you're younger, you kind of think of, you think of a job and you're like, this is what I want to do. And you think like, that is your life. Um, and then I think as I got older, I started to realize that a job is more of a means for you to make money, to do th things with your family that you love to do. Um, and so, you know, stepping back and thinking of it that way, and then stepping into like the coaching role. And I, I run my own field hockey program, a club field hockey program here in Frederick called Maryland Legacy. Um, so it really is my whole entire life. Not only am I the Walkersville coach during the fall, but I'm coaching all of the um, Frederick County and Carroll County field hockey players um, year round. Um, so it has become a lifestyle. So my college coach was right from the start. I was destined to be a, a field hockey coach. And I think when I look back on it, um, it's exactly what I want to be doing. It's what I love most in life. Um, and I get to do it every single day and I get to change lives and, and help kids be better and, you know, um, just learn so many lessons through sports. I'm curious, what appealed to you about the FBI law enforcement aspect? Um, yes. So when, when I was little, I loved Silence of the Lambs and I wanted to be Clarice Starling. I just like, I love the crime um, aspect and the investigative, um, like the puzzle and, and stuff like that. So I think that, um, you know, an investigator type uh, thing really appealed to me. Um, and so, and I have that kind of mind that really like works through things and sees things um, and stuff like that. So um, I just, I loved that aspect. But but were you worried about the danger that comes along with the job? Oh, um, I think when I first got into it, I was not because I was naive. I was a, you know, a young college kid. Um, you see TV and you see movies and you think that that's how it is. Um, you know, you see somebody in the movies get hit, you know, shot with a gun and they have a bulletproof vest on and they're just like, oh, OK, that hurt a little bit. I'll just keep walking <laughs> around and I'm fine. And I was in the academy and they were like, they explained like when that bullet hits, it creates a whole funnel effect inside your body with the impact. And I really thought about it then. And I was like, okay, this is not like, <laughs> this is definitely. And then in, in the academy, they also really hammer it home that everything you're doing, um, every day you put that uniform on, um, you might not go home that day. Um, and you really need to be paying attention to all of your surroundings. You need to have good tactics um, and you just, you have to be dialed in. Um, and so, I, yeah, I definitely went into law enforcement naive, um, but came out of it, you know, um, with my eyes wide open, yeah. knowing how the world is. It, it sounds like a tougher job than being a field hockey coach, but maybe, but, 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 but maybe it isn't. So um, speak, yeah. speaking of tough jobs, uh, you got the Walkersville job in the middle of COVID. I mean, tell us about that adventure. Yeah, so I got the job and then like a week later, two weeks later, everything shut down. Um, so, you know, I started an Instagram page for them and I was trying to keep them motivated. Um, I sent emails right away, introducing myself as the coach um, and getting the girls on board and everybody was really excited. Um, and then we had that summer where it was like, are we going to be able to do conditioning? And then they let us do conditioning for maybe in, two weeks. In the fall, right. It was, it, was, it was in the fall that they let you do something, right? Yeah. So, but the summer before leading into that fall, they let us do like two weeks of conditioning and then they kind of shut things down again. And then they did let us have that four week period of time where you could practice with the players in the fall. Um, so I think bringing them in and just getting to practice with them um, and getting to know them um, and teaching them my philosophies and just like, I think that first spring season was actually a, a blessing in disguise for us because I got four weeks that I just got to work with them on field hockey stuff. And we didn't have to worry about preparing for games. Um, so we got four weeks of solid drills and fundamentals in, and then we had some time off and then we got our spring season where we got to do it again. Is, is field hockey, is it a spring or fall sport in college? Yeah, in college, it's a fall sport. It is. So it was a weird playing games and preparing for games in the spring, the weather's getting warmer and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. It was definitely weird because we played in, I think we started in February um, and I think our season went like February 1st through like March 15th or something like that. So there was still snow on the ground. Um, and so like, it was weird. You had to like, think of different things to do. Like, okay, well, we're going to work on communication and our, how we move defensively today. Cause we can't physically get a ball out because there's snow on the ground, but we can move around. Um, so being creative, that was definitely different in that spring season because it was cold. 
um, there was snow. And then by the end of the spring season, it was so hot. And then the girls had to wear masks while they were playing. Um, and it was like, wow, I don't, you know, they're out there running around and it's hot and they have these masks on. So they're definitely dedicated. <laughs> do you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in life, Kelly? Uh, I definitely do. Um, I definitely think that I was destined to be a field hockey coach. Um, it's my one huge passion in life. Um, and getting to do it every day is definitely, I think, what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much you guys talk about this, but what is this group capable of accomplishing this season? I, I don't know if you talk about winning states or winning this or winning that, or if you want to put that pressure on your team or what do you guys talk about and, and what, what do you think the ultimate goal is for you guys? Uh, yeah. So at the start of the season, um, we come up, we talk about what our goals are for the season. Um, and so far we've accomplished um, pretty much most of them so far. Um, but we don't really actually talk about, um, you know, we go one game at a time and we don't talk too much about like our streak um, or anything like that, because I'm a very superstitious person. My assistant coach is very superstitious. Um, so it's just kind of things like, you know, we wear the same thing every game. Um, very, you know, we do everything the same every game. Um, do you hop, do like you hop over the, do you hop over the lines or like, what are some of your <laughs> other uh, superstitions? superstition so um you know we listen to the same music you know uh, bring our big speaker um and one player requested stir fry chloe requested stir fry before one of our first games before we won um so we listen to that before games before every game um we just do i do everything exactly the does, same does everyone um, sit in the same spot on the bus in the same seat on the bus uh, I'm not sure if they do, but I do. You Coach do. Danny and I do. Yeah, we <laughs> we feel like what we do is what causes, yeah. The, <laughs> but I do think the majority of them probably do um, sit in the same spots. Uh, the other day we were warming up for the game and we start off with um, some shuttles. And we have four lines of shuttles. Um, and the whole season, everybody has been in the same spot. Well, all of a sudden, one of the team, one of the groups who was always on the end now station themselves in the middle and i stopped and i was like no you guys have to take and you have to move down here you cannot <laughs> ruin what's happening right here what are you doing in the middle of the field and they looked at me and they like laughed and probably like rolled their eyes but they went back down to where they needed to be um but yeah everything is just you know, everyone has to eat, everyone has to have the same meal pre-game same music every yeah. everything always has to be the same Yes. Yep. If, if you're on a winning streak or you're winning games, you don't change anything. You do exactly the same thing. And if things don't go your way, you have an easy culprit, right? Like the music wasn't right or the pregame wasn't right or the drill wasn't right. I mean, it's, it's easy to point to something that way, right? Right. Yep, exactly. And, you know, the other day I thought I was I was going to be cold on Monday when our game was because it was, you know, one of the coldest games so far this year. But I was like, nope, I got to wear my shorts and my polo. Well, at halftime, it was 0-0. We weren't playing well. So I was like, I'm going to put my shirt on it, my sweatshirt on, and I'm going to see if this creates some new type of, you know, juju. Um, and then all of a sudden, we scored two goals in that third quarter. Um, so Coach Danny and I both put our sweatshirts on um, at that same time right after halftime. And so now we're like, okay, now we can wear our sweatshirts because that created some good luck. Can you wash Can you wash the sweatshirt now? Um, No. You no, can't. I have not washed any of my clothes either. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, so, so people might be keeping a distance from you on the sideline, in other words, uh, yeah, Kelly. Yeah, they definitely might. Just spray some perfume, some Febreze on before every day, and I'm good to go. <laughs> You're good to go. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned that Walkersville doesn't have a huge, long field hockey tradition. Is, it, is this a group that can change that? Is this a group that's at least capable of winning a state title this year? Uh, yeah, I think we are definitely capable of doing whatever we set our minds to. If everybody shows up ready to go at every practice, um, takes in what we're learning and executes it during games, um, I definitely think, you know, we can do whatever they show up to. Um, they're given the tools by Coach Danny and, uh, and me, um, and then they have to show up and execute that come game time. Um, so, yeah, our next game is tomorrow versus Middletown, which – you know, I think it's easy to look ahead to, oh, next week we have Urbana, um, states and regionals coming up. But Middletown is our biggest game so far this year. Um, you know, we're both top for the Gambrel division right now. So whatever team wins that game tomorrow gets to go to the CMC championship. It doesn't matter, matter that we have a better record than Middletown right now. If they win tomorrow, they get to play um, in the CMC championship next Saturday. Um, so... 
right now that's our main focus is Middletown. Um, and then we'll move on to like next week and, and looking ahead at Urbana and then possibly CMCs, um, depending how tomorrow goes and um, then regionals and states from there. Yeah. Now, well, well, hey, Kelly, we're down to our last minute of time here. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Uh, congrats on all of your success as a team so far. And if we do this podcast again, we're going to have to do it on the same date, exactly the same time, right? Yes, exactly. We will. If we, it depends. If we win tomorrow, <laughs> depends how the rest of the season I'm, goes. I might, have, yes. to, I might have, have you on as a weekly guest just to keep things uh, rolling for you guys. Yeah, so. you're the good juju now. Right? <laughs> All right. I, I hope to be. Uh, anyway, th- so uh, uh, thanks so much, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, the, how the rest of your season plays out. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, and that will do it uh, for us this week here on The Final Score. Uh, Thanks to uh, uh, Kelly uh, Dietrich uh, for coming on the podcast and talking about her great team at Walkersville. Thanks also to my colleagues, uh, John and Alexander, for uh, coming on and for uh, producer Graham Cullen for throwing everything together each and every week. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, for another episode. Uh, Until then, take care, and thanks for listening to The Final Score, everyone. (laughs) 